everyone and welcome to another episode. So in today's episode, I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1966 and it's titled Your Future. Neville tells his audience, tonight my subject is your future. This is open season for prophesying, astrologists, numerologists, teacup leaves, monkey bones, using all these to tell the future. Well, we will confine ourselves to the Bible, and tonight you will find it the most practical right down here in the world of Caesar. The Bible does not tell any man that he has a predetermined future in the world of Caesar. Everything here is conditioned. The Bible teaches that you have an ultimate future, which is to awaken as God. That's your real future. That's unconditional, unearned. You don't earn it. It's a gift. It's called in the Bible grace. So everyone is is destined to succeed because God is playing the part, playing all the parts. And in the end, he awakens and you are he. On this level, everything is conditioned. Now we turn to the book of Matthew, the 21st chapter, the 22nd verse. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. It doesn't say that you ask for things that are good for you. Whatever is all-inclusive. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Now prophets, as Blake told the Bishop Rexford, in the modern sense of the world, have never existed. Jonah was no prophet in the modern sense of for his prophecy of Nineveh failed. Every honest man is a prophet. We value his opinion both private and public in this way. If you go, so the result is so. He shall never say so and so shall happen, that you do what you will. He will never say that, for he is a seer, not an arbitrary dictator. You go to a medium and they will tell you so and so is going to happen to you, allowing you to be anything you want to be in the meanwhile. It's not true, it's a lie. The only way it would come true, or come true, is if on departure you believe what you heard. If you believed in and completely convinced yourself of the truth of what he or she said, whether they used tea leaves or coffee grounds or stars or anything else, your future is in your hands. You cannot be in one state of consciousness and not suffer the consequences of not being in another state of consciousness. You cannot change the course of your future life so long as your present state remains the same. A change of state is a change of your world. This whole vast world is infinite response. It's a response to you. You are the operant power. Listen to the words of scripture. We love because he first loved us, 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. What he, he's speaking of God. Something out there? No, God is in man as man's own wonderful human imagination. So I will now have the world respond. Well, then I must be the operant power. What would I do? Well, I'd make a selection. Single out what I want to be this year, 1966. Assume that I am it. Persuade myself that I am it now. Though not a thing in this world suggests that I am it, or could ever become it. And to the degree that I am self-persuaded, the world will respond. It has to. The little world, or the little word because implies causation. Because he first loved us, you dwell upon it. 
Let me tell you a story. You may go out on a limb and tell it. You need not wait until it happens and hope that they will believe you. You can tell it before it takes place if you have faith. A few weeks ago, I told you the stories of a lady who came here with her husband. He is her minister. She took 11 case histories. Nine had come to pass. She wrote of 11. Two were prophetic in the sense they had not yet been realized. You, who were here that night, will recall the stories. This is one not yet realized. The day, the day was July 27th of last year. She said to her husband, Daniel, the minister, I want you to play this record back for me in your mind, not audibly. Sit quietly and listen to my voice. And this is what you're going to hear. Danny, I am so happy that you have sold your song and have your 100000 a year plus income. You play it over and over until my voice becomes as natural to you in this imaginary state as it is when I'm talking to you now. One month later, on the 29th of August, now I do not know these people in the theatrical world. I have been out of it for years and years. I do not know the terminology of the musical world. But she said this lady, and she called her by name. She did not confine me to secrecy. Uh, the name is Gloria Wood, whoever she is. Never heard of her. She said that she has nine gold star records, whatever that means. She is a commercial artist and receives as high as 50000 for one commercial jingle that only goes a half minute. She likes Danny's voice, likes his songs, and said to him after the service that she would like to help him. Then, said she at the very end of her note to me, this is prophetic, I am sure this will be as real as the nine that I have told you that are already behind us. On Christmas week, Danny calls up and he tells us, My wife answered the phone. I know that my wife told you of my hope to put my songs over in an album. Well, calling this lady by name, she has a reputation. Her name associated with his is an instantaneous sale. We've made the album. It's distributed by the company who has promoted her to the tune of Nine Gold Records. Now 100,000. It just started. But her name was identified with his name on the records in his album, using only his songs, and he plays piano. In fact, he's a one-man show, plays the organ, he's his own chorus, he's the minister, and he does everything but take up the collection. You've seen him here, big strapping fellow. Well, that's one. Now to come back to our theme tonight, your future is in your hands. As based upon that verse in the 21st chapter, the 22nd verse of Matthew, Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have. First of all, when you read it, you will think you've been taught by your ministers to pray audibly. Get down on your knees and say the words. You go to these churches over the weekend if you like the ball games, as I do. Each started with a huge, big prayer. 100,000 on the outside and one man is leading them in prayer. He couldn't possibly begin to believe what I want. You, if you were present, how could he possibly lead you in prayer? Prayer is a very individual thing. No two tonight in this room desire the same thing, and he's leading a 100,000 in prayer, in this audible prayer. You don't do it that way. The word prayer, as used in the Bible, means motion towards, ascension to, nearness at, at or in the vicinity of. That's the meaning of the word prayer. So... I have a desire. How am I going to move towards the fulfillment of it? How will I get near? 
Suppose my desire this night would take me to the east. How would I get near 3,000 miles away? Because I am all imagination, it's easy. Man is all imagination, and God is man, and exists in us and we in him. The eternal body of man is the imagination, and that is God himself. It's from Blake, Annotations to Berkeley. All things are possible to God. Is there something you can't imagine? You may not believe it, but don't tell me you can't imagine it. So now here's the story. In one of my books, I can't recall the title of the book. If you are familiar with my books, you'll know it. But I'm quite sure that the majority uh, here have never read it or heard the story. The lady to whom it happened did not confine me or in any way swear me to secrecy. She's a gracious, wonderful lady, and so I'm going to use her name. Not to drop names, but to let you know who she is. And then with all of her background, tremendous background, she didn't know how to pray. She's a pillar of the Episcopal Church in New York City, a pillar of the church, and her name is Mrs. Archibald Roosevelt, the daughter-in-law of our late Teddy Roosevelt. She came to me, in fact, she came once a month, at least once a month, for a period of years. She said, Neville, every year I have rented my townhome, and with that rental paid in advance, I've been able to open my country home in Long Island. This year, for the first time in over 20 years, no one has shown any interest. We have the same real estate agent in the same social world that he caters to, but this year the season's slipping by and rentals will be at an end, for it's only for the summer. Not one person has shown any interest in taking my apartment, and unless I rent it, I cannot open my home in Long Island. We have a social position and a political position, but we're not people of means. <laughs> my husband works for a salary. We are not wealthy Roosevelts. We are Roosevelts, and their name is powerful in the political world and in the social world. The demands on me and my husband are so great because of our name. At the end of the year, we don't know where the next is coming from to give to charity, as this is, is expected of us. We have many children, and like all mothers the world over, all parents, there's always need, and so they come first. So there's always need from one or the other of the five that we have. So what must I do? I said, you've been coming here over the years now. You know about me from the past. I'll tell it all over again. If you rented your place today, where would you sleep tonight? She said, where I slept last night. I said, where was that? In my New York apartment. I said, no, you rented it. You aren't taking in borders. You rented the place. Oh, but, she said, in the past, I always had grace. Three, four, five days to get ready, and then they would come in after I moved. I said, no, this is an emergency. They rented it, made your payment in advance, and they want to occupy today. She said, well, under such circumstances, I wouldn't waste the money by going to a hotel. I would go straight to my home in Long Island, even though it's not ready to receive their family. I said, that's where you sleep tonight. Oh, she said, that isn't practical. I said, I'm not telling you. You're going to sleep there physically. You are going to sleep there in your imagination. Your imagination is a real you, Mrs. Roosevelt. I'm looking at a mask. If I could tear it away, I would see God unmasked. But here I'm looking at a woman who in the world of Caesar is prominent. I'm speaking now to the God in this woman, to your own wonderful human imagination, and in your imagination you sleep this night in your home in Long Island. 
To prove that you are there, you must think of this apartment, and you cannot see it under you, around you, and over you. You must see it across the East River in Manhattan, and you must feel the naturalness of your home in Long Island. She said to me, If this works, I'll call you. I said the only if about it is if you do it. If you do it, you'll call me. But you know you're one of the nine in the Bible. He said, Were there not ten, or you, and only one returned to give thanks? And the one that returned was a stranger, a Samaritan. The other nine got the same results, but they didn't return. You've been coming here for over the, er, over the years, and often I've read of the answer to your request in this group and the newspapers. I never got it from you, but let it not work. You are on the phone to tell me, like all the others. Let it work. He should know anyway, and so I've grown indifferent to the working or not working. I know the law cannot fail. I have taken it from Scripture, and the word of God is true, everlastingly true, and that sentence is true. So tonight you sleep in your imagination in your home in Long Island. This was on Thursday. She went to bed early that night, about nine. She said to her husband and family, I do not wish to be disturbed unless there is an emergency. Do not call me for any other reason. At nine, she retired, and to prove she was in the home in Long Island, she thought of her home in Manhattan, and saw it across the East River in Manhattan. She got off the bed in her imagination and walked through the door into an adjacent room that could only be entered were she in the home in Long Island. She did these many little things and gave this imaginal state all the sensory vividness and all the tones of reality that she could possibly muster. Then she slipped into the deep. In other words, if I were to define faith for you, faith is a simple surrender of self to the Spirit of God. God is your own wonderful I amness, is he not? That's my name forever. So I'm on my bed. I've just done things that would prove to me I am in my home in Long Island. And the reason why I'm here, my place rented, and I'm very happy about the tenant, this was on Thursday. On Friday noon or thereabout, the phone rang, and the agent called her. I have someone interested in your apartment. May I bring him? Certainly. A man came up. He had all the necessary references. He had all the qualifications. And he offered her a check without any argument in advance for the entire summer months. But one condition he imposed upon her. He wanted immediate occupancy that day, which is now Friday. If you could get out of today, or, yeah, if you could get out today, I'll take it, but only on condition you move today. She said, this has never happened to me before, but if this is your condition, I will get out. She called her husband about what happened, and he said, it's perfectly all right. Get your things together as quickly as you can. I will take off, and I will come and help, and we'll move to the home in Long Island. This was on Friday. On Saturday morning at 9, Mrs. Roosevelt is on the telephone, and she said, Neville, this is Mrs. Roosevelt. I said, yes. She said, I slept in my home in Long Island last night. She expected <coughs> excuse me, uh, expected me to be thrilled. I said, I'm not surprised. If you did what I told you to do, you had to sleep there last night. Well, she was a little taken aback, because she thought, now this is a miracle, and I should rejoice. All other miracles, too. But she never called me until I put my foot down and said, You've just, you're just like the other nine that never come back and say thank you. And so that was the story of motion towards. In what way? In your imagination. Ascension to, at, or in the vicinity of, at the house, 
in the house, right in the vicinity of the house. And she did it. To locate herself and make it seem natural, she thought of her home across the river and saw it away in the distance in her imagination. But not under her, and not around her, and certainly not over her. That story, as I've told you, I could just add all the little pieces to it to make it all the more beautiful as it actually happened. So I tell you, your future is not in the stars, not in teacup leaves, not in anything outside of your own state of consciousness. Everything is here for the taking. You appropriate it, you live in it, and you conquer it in the world. Listen to these words. By faith he understands that the world was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made out of things which do not appear, Hebrews 11.3. Did anything appear outside of her own imagination? What did she do with visible things? Nothing. If anyone had entered her room in Manhattan that night, they would have seen. If it was a child, their mother, if her husband entered his wife, seemingly asleep. She was asleep to the world. She had shut out the obvious. As you're told, when you pray, go within and close the door, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Matthew 6, 6. What was he seeing in secret? He saw her living in her home in Long Island. He saw her happy because she had rented the New York place. He hadn't burned down, or it hadn't burned down. She was happy about it. But who could have looked to that woman and seen any visible things that she used to construct this scene? So here it is. What is seen is made out of things which do not appear. Now isn't it that clear? So where's my future? It's within me. Religion always needs test. Without it, all religions become distorted into creeds, into some ritual. Yes, even into self-centered rituals. So religion, does. Uh, there's a word missing. Religion does not blank when it appeals to personal experience despite the risk involved. And I say that advisedly, because many will come here, which will shock you. You think if they heard it on their wing and they were not exposed to it as you are, but many will come here in a meeting like this. And I will say over and over, always use your imagination lovingly on behalf of others. Never use it in any hateful manner. There is no other. You're only going to hurt yourself. Always use it lovingly on behalf of others. Yet there are those who will gloat over the hurt of another and gloat in the presence of others and tell them, I want to see him dead and he is dying before my face and hurt these too because they don't want the speaker dead. Just actually feel it. Then you're taking this fabulous law that could set you free and bind yourself all the more. So I will say to you who has done it, you cannot cause me to depart before my time. No one, multiplied by all the people of the world, has the power to cause my departure. One second before my time. You can't hasten it, and you can't delay it. And it would be better if a millstone were tied around your neck and be cast into the sea. Than to dare to put your finger on one whom he has called to tell his story. If you saw tonight's TV, here is Mike Quinn, head of the transport union. He incited or he incited the entire city of New York. He was brought before cameras, and these are his words. There he is before the cameras, and he's saying, speaking of the judge who sent him to jail, he said, I'm waiting for the sheriff to come, and he will take nine of us, and let the judge drop dead and rot in his black robes. I will not, said he, call back this strike. 
All right, the sheriff came through the door and picked him up, put him in the wagon, and off to the city jail. He was there two hours, and he came down with a heart attack. Here, he came, here came the ambulance. They wrapped him up in his blankets and rolled him out to the waiting ambulance to take him to Bellevue. What he wanted for the judge arrived within two hours and happened to him. There is no other. So I tell you, use your imagination lovingly on behalf of all. Because there is no other. It's yourself pushed out. This whole vast world is yourself pushed out. <clears throat> your future, and I scroll down, is really in your hands here in the world of Caesar. But because you don't use it lovingly, I could never tell you how long, how vast, how severe the anguish before you are brought forth from the furnaces. For you aren't going to be brought forth from the furnaces and enter the world called the kingdom of God until you are perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the eternal code. And never accept a feeling of getting even or hurting unless you want the same thing done to you. So I tell you the story is true, <clears throat> whatever, as vast as, etern as eternity you ask in prayer, remember what prayer is. It's motion towards the fulfillment of the wish fulfilled. That's motion towards. All in your imagination. You will receive it, that's a promise, if you have faith. So take tonight's definition of faith, which I'll give you, which is simple, a simple surrender of self to the Spirit of God. You put yourself in the state and sleep. You surrender your spirit. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. After having occupied this state, simply relax in that state, and God sees the state you're in. And the whole vast world responds to what you have done. You don't have to ask them anything. Mrs. Roosevelt didn't go out and come up to a person saying, "You're always over the years rented my, or you've always over the years rented my place." What's wrong? She didn't complain. She simply went home. She believed what I told her, and she applied it. The very next day, it's rented, and she has her check for months in advance. With that, she could open her place and have a wonderful, wonderful summer. So let no one put any wet blanket upon you by telling you that the future is already written for you and it's in the stars. Those wonderful words of Cassius to Brutus. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in the stars, but in ourselves, that we are underlings. Not in the stars. Look there if you want to, but you won't find them at all. I'll tell you a story concerning one who is now gone from this world. Last fall in New York City, I learned that she had just recently, before my arrival, made her exit. She was a teacher in a high school in Scranton, Pennsylvania. She came to New York City. She was a widow. She had a widow's pension from the railway. <clears throat> she could always, let's see, she could always travel on the railway without paying anything, but she wanted to live in New York City. She had a nice pension from the school and from the railway. It was adequate, not big. She wanted to do something in the city. Well, my old friend Abdullah, I took her to Abdullah, and she couldn't quite get the feeling of what Abdullah was trying to get over. But she could believe in astrology. Well, I think I know exactly how to erect a chart and regress a chart. And so I taught her. I told her, it isn't there at all. <coughs> Excuse me, it's all in you. But if it takes you to persuade, or if it takes you to persuade you of something nice to tell someone, then use it. But eventually you'll take it like a crutch and throw it away. 
Well, one day I called her, and she was in tears, actual tears. I said, Norma, what's wrong? She said, a man came in here, very highly recommended, a good businessman, successful, and I read his chart. I told him that I will send uh, he that he will send me the hundred dollars he promised he would. In fact, I'm so convinced that it's true. I said to him, "Don't wait, give it to me now." He said, "No, if it works today as you tell me, well, then I will send you the money." I said, "Well, what's wrong with that, Norma?" She said, "The chart wasn't his chart. I was sitting at the open window, and the wind blew over the uh, eph ephemerides." They were bound. She had about a hundred years of these all bound in one volume. <clears throat> and while sitting at a window, she was distracted, and she came back, not checking, and drew a chart from what she saw there, not knowing the wind had turned over the pages. And she's now drawing a chart of one who wasn't born until ten years later. But she said, Neville, I drew a chart of a man who was ten years not yet in this world. And what's wrong with that? Did you convince him? She said, I think I did, for I said, in all seriousness, give me the hundred dollars now. If you're going to send it to me after work, give it to me now. That seemed to convince him all the more, Neville. I said, it's done, forget it. She still couldn't stop her tears. That night after dinner, I called on her again. I was in her suite of rooms at this uh, Knot Hotel at 72nd and Broadway. It's gone now, the old Knot chain. When the doorbell rang, it's a messenger from Western Union. It's a $100 check, a Western Union check. And she drew a chart of a man who wasn't born. But she was convinced when she spoke to him, and he didn't see her tears, and our conversation didn't hear that. So he went away convinced of the reality of the abracadabra. He's a big businessman, you see. It comes in all walks of life. They tell me that Hitler wouldn't make a move without consulting his astrologer. So they tell me, where did it get him? Where did it get him finally? And so all this business is something on the outside. She got the $100, and I was in her room when that Western Union boy delivered that Western Union check. Yes, you can persuade yourself if you want these things, but don't. Don't resort to anything but God. And God is your own wonderful human imagination. If God is the only creator, he is the only receiver as well. So you think of your home right now, who's doing it? If I said, what are you doing? I, right away, you said, God, I am, and then you name it. Well, who's doing it? You said, well, I'm doing it. Well, that's God. He is the only receiver. But if you don't know that, you aren't going to believe in the reality of what you're doing. So you imagine something now, that God's, that's God doing it. That's God in action. So when this chap, Danny, imagined his wife's voice saying, Danny, I'm so happy that you sold your songs, and you have a 100,000 plus in income a year. It's only just on the market this past month of December, but at least it's in an album. How many people today who have written songs would give anything to make one record of it? And here a woman comes off the street, comes into his little church here on Wilton Place. I think it's 801 Wilton. And like the man's voice, likes what he's singing. And so, and so right after the meeting, she goes up and tells him what she thinks of the songs. Well, that's just what Danny wanted, and he puts on a whole show for her. And then she said, I want to help you. So she, because she has nine gold records, or nine gold star records, she wants to associate her name to help his name and does it. I think it's called My Pastor and I. I think it is. He called up and told the story to my wife. 
while I tell you your future is not outside your ability to imagine that you are the one that you want to be. Just imagine that you are now the one that you want to be and forget all these things round about you. If you are faithful to it, surrendering yourself to the Spirit of God, all things being possible to God, it will come to pass in your world. Everything in your world is conditioned. The only unconditioned is God's ultimate promise to himself, which is man, that in the end he will awaken. And he will be Jesus Christ. You will know there is only Jesus Christ. Everyone will know he is Jesus Christ, and yet no loss of identity. Although a radical discontinuity form, for your form will be the glorious risen form of the risen Christ. Now, let us go into the silence. All right, there we have Neville Goddard's lecture from 1966, titled, Your Future. And that is the last of the 1966 lecture, so next lecture, we will move on to 1967. All right, so thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you all next time. Bye now.